I want to just uh, begin by asking you to think about what it means to participate in missions giving. Now, we participate in so many different ways in giving to missions around here because we always give a portion of every dollar that you give to the regular budget of the church actually goes to fund missions through the Tennessee Baptist Convention and the Southern Baptist Convention. We give to those to fund our missionaries through that. And that's called the cooperative program. But as we talk about missions giving, I think there are a couple of reminders before we get to Philippians chapter four that are very important for us. And I'm, I'm just gonna tell you, if you're new here with us and you're going, oh, are they gonna talk about giving all the time? Yes, we do. Uh, we, but we're gonna talk about it twice a year for sure. And, and this is one of those seasons as we talk about giving to missions. And I never make an apology about that because it's in the scripture and we talk about that, but we also talk about it in the first of the year because if we don't talk about the basic understanding, we do that every year in the first of the year, we miss something when it comes to missions. I think it's important for us just to be reminded of this. Now, I'm gonna move through these rather quickly to get us to Philippians chapter four. So you might just jot a note down and you can go back and look at these for yourself later. But really, our, our basic understanding of everything that we're, we're building this premise on actually starts in the book of Psalms. Now, Psalms chapter 23, written by David, has gotta be maybe the most famous psalm. And we love that, don't we? Because it really speaks to the care that God gives to our soul. And that's an important piece of our relationship to the Lord is the care that he offers us to our souls, especially as we are in need of that all the time, aren't we? We're in need of being led to those quiet waters of, of respite where he restores us, where we sit down and, and have a, a banquet table in the presence of our enemies. I mean, we just, we read that and it speaks to the care of our souls. David also wrote Psalm number 24. And Psalm number 24 says something incredible because it teaches us about how we should view the world, our possessions, and gives us insight about it. Verse one of Psalm 24 says, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. For he laid the foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. Now this has to be the baseline understanding of anybody who says that they're a Christian for understanding the things that are in the world and the things that we think might actually be ours. If we don't understand this, then we'll immediately make a, an error in our view or our judgment about things. We'll start to believe that they're ours. But I don't know how we can do that when we read Psalm 24 and it says, the earth, the inhabitants, everything in it, the water, the seas, all of it is the Lord. So if we're gonna be Christians, we have to understand that everything that we see, everything that we can touch, everything that we think we own is actually not ours, it's actually God's. Now, a lot of Christians get this confused and it shows up because they act like owners of things instead of stewards of things. Are you the owner of your checkbook? Are you the owner of your home? The owner of your Venmo account? What, 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 is, what is the owner? See, if you're the owner, then I've got, a, I've got a really important statement. I don't want you to miss this. That means that you believe you're the Lord. See, the Lord determines these things. And Psalm 24 says, all of that belongs to the Lord. But if you think it belongs to you, then you're the Lord. I'm the Lord of my checkbook. I'm the Lord of the manor. I'm the Lord of the Venmo account. It's all mine, and there's a lot that we could, could say about that, but just in, in short, let me just remind us, 
We're stewards holding all things loosely in our hands that God gives to us and they pass right through our hands. But if you think about it, if we understand that, then we have to, as people of the book, Christians, look to the scriptures to see how it determines how we use all of those things that have been entrusted to us. The Bible has a lot to say about it. It has a lot to say about whether you loan money to people, how you loan money to people, what it's like to live in debt. It has a lot to say about where our money's directed. Why does it talk about it so much? And here's why. It's because as much as we would like to believe that money's not important to us, it's very important to you. It's important to me. I need it. You need it. We need it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with money. But there's a relationship to money, and in that aspect, if it gets out of whack, if we miss this, then we're missing something fundamental. If we don't grasp Psalm 24, then we have a flawed understanding of everything that's in our life. And, and if we're all the lords of these things, then we're not stewards of these things. And that means that if it's all mine, I think I get to direct where it all goes. But the scripture says that's not how it works. If God is in charge of everything in my life, then when it comes to stewardship or the possessions or the things that are in my life, it stands to reason that I need to look to the scripture and let the scripture determine how I live that way. So if Psalm 24 is the fundamental understanding, Malachi 3.10 speaks to our understanding of giving to the Lord. Baseline giving right here, Malachi 3.10. Let me read it for you. Starts in verse eight. Will a man rob God, yet you're robbing me? How do we rob you, you ask? By not making the payments of the tenth, or maybe your Bible says the tithe, same thing, and the contributions. You're suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse, so there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing you will, uh, for you without measure. I'll rebuke the devourer so that you will not have the ruin of your produce of your land and your vine of your field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of armies. Now, this is interesting because there's an accusation that God levels against his own people. And I don't know where you're from, but maybe the only thing worse than being called a thief would be being called a cheat. You cheated. You know, when you're a kid and you're playing a game and somebody says you cheated, the fists get balled up and it's about to start, right? That's how it feels. But I want you to hear what God says about us when we don't bring back what he says is his. He says, you're stealing what is mine. You're stealing what is mine. Well, as he says that, God tells us, to bring the full tithe, 10% of everything that he entrusts into our hands, he says, return it back to me. And you say, well, if God gives it all to me, then, then, then why does he want me to give anything back? Well, it's a faith issue, isn't it? A lot of people say they trust the Lord. Well, I trust the Lord. Do you really? Well, why won't you tithe? God's good enough for your salvation, but not good enough to supply your needs? Come on, that doesn't make sense. So, so God tells us, I give it all to you and 10% comes back to me. And notice what he says, it's mine, not yours. Now, this is an amazing thing because uh, I, I can tell you that, that what the scripture says right after that is absolutely true. 
It says that when we obey the Lord, he opens up the floodgates and pours out a blessing so much we can't receive it. But I want you to notice what else that it says. Did you catch that? It says when you don't, you're going to live frustrated. Did you catch it? The things that you're trying to do, producing those things for your life, they're going to be frustrated by the Lord. He says you're living under a curse and you can't figure out why. And it's because you won't do the thing that I've asked you to do. Well, it's like people say to me sometimes, I, I can't afford to tithe. I say, no, you don't get it. You actually can't afford not to tithe. That may be why some of us are living frustrated. We can't ever seem to get ahead. We can't ever seem to, to make it. Well, I, I'm gonna tell you, when we don't obey the Lord in this, we're missing the blessing. And some of you may say, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. But Jesus said it in the New Testament too. You tithe, you do well, he says. You should. It's fundamental. It's the baseline giving. So for every believer, I want you to hear, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, the, the basics of this is 10% of everything that God gives us given back to him. That, that's, just, that's the basics. It's not extra credit. No special badges for that. Let's just do what I say, the Lord says, okay? But that leads us then to what do we do beyond that? Before we get there, can I just, uh, this is on my brain. When you leave today, we'll talk about this in a minute. You're gonna get a ministry spending plan for the church that we'll vote on in a couple weeks. Uh, if everybody in this church tithed, we wouldn't need this. We'd never, we'd never need it. God has a way of funding all of these things. It's in his word. We, we wouldn't need to do this. We wouldn't need to raise money for missions. We, we wouldn't have to do this. We wouldn't have to raise money for buildings. It, it, it's, all, it's all right there. Think of the ministries that we could fund and the places we could go and reach the world if, if we just obeyed. So once we give 10%, it's what God requires. What else do we do? Well, that's where offerings come into play. And, and one of my favorite books of the Bible is Philippians because it talks so much about partnership. There's a couple of passages in it that talk about partnership. And Paul was this missionary, as we learned last week, going and, and planting churches. And he talks about this church that's in Philippi. And he says, you guys have been in partnership with me. And as he begins to talk about that, he says, uh, you guys have a, a, a part in this. Now, we might think that, that our, our part of the Great Commission has nothing to do with what Paul's talking about because we're not professional missionaries. But he tells this church at Philippi, you guys are, are linked with me in these things because of your giving to this. Now, I want you to read with me in chapter four. And we're gonna start in verse 10 of Philippians. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with a little. I know how to make do with a lot. And in any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, 
but I seek the profit that's increasing to your account. But I have everything I've received in full and I have abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to God and the Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Last week, remember, we focused our attention on the Apostle Paul setting out on this second missionary journey. He and Barnabas have a split and he has a vision after he leaves for that journey, believing that there's a man in a dream that says, come with me and come help us in Macedonia. And we talked about the Philippian church, the Philippian jailer, Lydia. This is where it starts. And now he's written back to that church as it's been established. And he said, you guys have been awesome in helping us get done what we needed to do. Paul never sat still. He didn't stay in Philippi long. And now he's off to a place called Thessalonica. And as they've been in partnership with him, I want you to think about this because this is exactly what we do every year with our mission partners. We join them and we support them just like this church was doing. So what we ask you to do is to give to the Lord, your tithe, 10% of everything you earn stays in our church. And above that, we ask you to give sacrificially to missions, to our partnerships around the world. And I want you to look at this passage in depth with me for a few moments, because it starts with something amazing. The Philippians has been called the book of joy. Paul speaks about joy uh, multiple times in this book. And he starts this passage by saying, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but you lacked an opportunity to show it. Now, I want you to imagine what it would be like if you were living far from family, far from home, different culture, different place, and you're waiting on God to supply your needs. You're not working in a traditional job. God's called you somewhere and he sent you somewhere, perhaps overseas, maybe to Cuba, maybe to Guatemala. You're serving the Lord there and you're waiting, knowing that you have needs and wondering how it's going to be. And all of a sudden a check showed up from Judson Baptist Church and said, we believe in what you're doing. God bless you. We just want to support you in the ministry of what you're doing. Well, well that's, that's kind of like a, a little bit like getting a tax refund is how we might get excited, right? Except the difference is when you get a tax refund, that money was already yours. The government was just holding it, right? This is different. This is coming from somebody who cared about you and it shows up in the mail and as it shows up and you open it, now you realize I can provide for my family, but I can fund the ministry that God has called me to. When you give, through global focus, that's exactly what's happening. You're funding ministry and taking care of needs so that our mission partners can serve the Lord to the uttermost. Now, the Philippian church was awesome at supporting their partnerships. Notice what Paul said. It wasn't because you didn't want to, you just lacked an opportunity and I'm so glad that you renewed it for me. So when we're giving, we have this opportunity to show our mission partners that we care, that we support them, that we're behind them. We do that, by the way, when we just show up on Friday night, just showing up on Saturday, showing up to hear a report 
from our mission partners, showing up to give them our time and our undivided attention just to see what God's doing around the world. A lot of us walk around ho-hum because we don't have a big enough vision of what God's doing. This is a great way for you to engage in that and see that God is moving everywhere. God's working his plan of salvation all over the world. When you come Friday night and you join in those partnerships, you're getting that. But beyond the joy this gift called, that this gift gave Paul, rather, it was an opportunity to teach us something. I want you to look at verse 11 with me. Paul says, I don't say this out of need because I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with a little. I know how to make do with a lot. And in any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, abundance or in need. I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Paul understood something here. And a lot of our mission partners can teach us about this and we need to learn it. Did you notice what he said? My circumstances haven't dictated whether or not I'm content. Can I tell you that uh, that's really hard for me? Friday, I, I had a wonderful plan. I don't know about you, but I'm so sick of summer. I'm ready to put on a puffy jacket and light a fire in the backyard. You know what I mean? I'm over it. And I looked at the weather forecast Friday and it was so beautiful and I thought, oh, this is going to be wonderful. I'm going outside. It's going to be great. I drove to one of my favorite spots only to have it not turn out how I wanted it to. I wasn't able to stay. I had to come back. I mean, it was a lot of things happening all of them outside of my control. And I came home and I told Kathy, she was like, well, how was the morning? I was like, yeah, wasn't that great, honestly. And I was struggling to be what? Content. Do you struggle with that? Do you struggle to be content when you have a little? Do you struggle to be content when you have a lot? It's hard for us, isn't it? And we know that it's hard because we're never satisfied. The, the, the eye is never full of what it can see and what it can take in. And there's always one more thing to get or one more place to go or one more restaurant to try or, or one more whatever it is in our lives. We're never satisfied. But Paul says, if we're content, the circumstances surrounding our lives actually don't matter that much. Little or a lot. Well-fed or hungry. And I think he actually gives us the secret in verse 13, doesn't he? Verse 13 is great. Maybe you've memorized it. If you haven't, you should. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that a good verse? And, and we use it a lot of times, like in the field of athletic accomplishments, you'll see people kind of say like, I've got this thing in front of me that I've got to go try to get the challenge done. And I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and that's a great way to use that verse. It's, it's not wrong. We can do anything through Christ who strengthens us. But to be honest, the deeper meaning is found right here. It's not when we're tackling the mountain in front of us. It's not when we're really getting the win. He's saying, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. Meaning, I can do it when I don't have what I feel like I need. I can do it. 
When I have a bunch, I can do it. When I'm hungry, I can do it. When I'm well fed, I can do it. When my Friday didn't work out the way I wanted to, I can do it. When I have to show up on Sunday and, and we hope that things are going well and something doesn't go right, we can do it. When you go to work tomorrow and, and, and things aren't right at work, when you, you wake up and, and the kids aren't doing what you want them to do and, and life is throwing you a curve, you can do it because the secret to being content is knowing that it's Christ who gives us our strength. It's not our circumstances. They don't dictate to us. He looked at his life and understood circumstances can't determine where his joy was going to come from. Because it was based in Christ and the joy of the Lord gave him strength and that strength that Christ gave him allowed him to do all these things. That was hard things, good things, things that the will of our Father's directing us to do, places that he tells us to go. In this, in this section, Paul's reminding this Philippian church that that, that strength was good for him. And then he says, and it's good for us to be in partnership together. That's a great thing, partnership. Have you ever heard the saying that the only ship that won't float is a partnership? It's true. It's hard. If you're in partnership with someone, you generally have an opportunity to be disappointed. But not in this kind of partnership because this partnership is different. When we partner with people to further the gospel, it's not about the money that we're giving or the skills that they possess or, or the things that we bring to the table. Because in a traditional partnership, those things are dependent on all of that. A partnership, though, that's based on mission that God has called all of us to keeps us pointing to a true north, doesn't it? And so it's not about what I have or I don't have. It's not about what skills I wish I had or I could possess. God does something when he brings us together with someone that is supernatural. That's that he allows us to share the gospel and further the kingdom. This partnership was used by God at the right time, right place in Paul's season of ministry. Verse 15 says, you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Now, just real quickly, why, why maybe was that the case? They're all brand new churches. I mean, they're, they're just getting started. They don't, they don't have buildings. They don't have offerings. I mean, they're just getting started. And he says about this church, you guys were the only ones holding the line with me to take the gospel to the next spot. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. At this particular point in time, Paul felt like he was all alone. He's in Thessalonica. He's trying to get the work done. He's remembering back to that. And he says, there was nobody except you guys. And the Philippians shared in the matter of giving and receiving several times. And that actually defines the spiritual partnership. Because it wasn't like Paul was sending them money back. They were sending gifts so that he could stay on the field and, and keep doing what God had called him to do. So how is it that they were giving and receiving? Because it sounds like they were just giving, right? I mean, that, that's what it sounds like. But they were both getting something out of it. We give and our partners receive. They serve, and guess what we receive? The blessings of knowing that we have furthered the gospel to places we could never go on our own. And Paul says something crazy about that. Don't miss this. He says, this goes to your account. What account? 
You don't think the heavenly father's keeping account of all that you give? For some of you this morning, that's a blessing to think about. For some of you, it's a sobering thought because that account is real. There's an accounting of what we do. When we're just one church in Nashville, Tennessee, and we give, it's not like it just doubles. The partnership triples and quadruples what God's doing around the world. The impact just keeps getting multiplied. And that's why Paul says, I'm not seeking the gift, but the profit increases to your account. He says, it's great that you gave to me, but there's something in you giving to me that you get and you receive because God notices all of these things. He keeps a record of accounts. Everything we do, everything is noticed by the Lord. Jesus wasn't kidding when he says, when you do this to the least of these, you've done it unto me. When we do this, and it may not seem significant to us, we may say, gosh, this year's really tough. I, I don't have a lot that I can give. Can I tell you something? You can give something. Could you give a dollar? Could you, could you give a quarter? We all have something we can give. I mean, I, I think when it comes to missions, if I felt like I couldn't give anything, I could probably turn over the seat cushions in my couch and find something. All of us have a responsibility. Our priorities are so out of whack though, aren't they? Because we're told all the time to build our kingdom and we don't call it that. It's, I'm not trying to build my kingdom, but we're worried about building our stuff. And we answer questions an incorrect way. I loved it uh, in our parents' night seminar. One of the speakers was talking. and He said they had a, a child already and they went back to the doctor to uh, find out about a second pregnancy only to discover they were having twins. And he said, we got in the car and he said, my mind was blown. I should have been happy, but I was in shock. I'd be in shock too, wouldn't you, amen? Right? We can all relate to that, but I bet you can relate to what he said next too. How am I gonna pay for this kid to get cars? How am I gonna pay for them to go to college? How am I gonna, how am I gonna, how, how, how? When we build our kingdom, those are the questions we ask because it's our responsibility. But believers who trust God know that God will supply all of our needs through his riches and glory in Christ Jesus when we obey him. It's not that hard once you step across the line into faith. The hardest thing is to actually take the first step, folks. Because you get to do something that the scripture tells us is incredible. It says, try me in this. God says, test me. I mean, I'm as good as my word. I'm gonna take care of you. Paul says, as we expand the kingdom of God, it in turn leads to us being blessed. And I want you just to notice what they supplied. 
I've received everything in full. I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus. It's one of, one of their friends. He brought it up there to them, what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God the Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is imagery from the Old Testament that these believers would have understood from watching the Jews do this forever, but they would have understood it also from the pagan world. When you sacrifice something, there is an aroma. In the Old Testament, the Lord says all the time, it's a pleasing aroma. The burning of the sacrifice. And it's an offering, an acceptable sacrifice. And that beautiful imagery gives us this visual to open up our senses and see it. We, we, we can experience it like that if we think about what it's like for, for that fire to be consuming that offering and, and burning it up. And the Lord says that that's a pleasing, fragrant aroma to him. Some people were bringing an offering that was more than just a gift. It was a true sacrifice. And he says about this Philippian church, your offering and your sacrifice, because that's what it is. When we give to missions, make no doubt about it. We're choosing to prioritize something that's more important and make something else less important. That's the way that it works. And, and any of us, like my family, if you've been giving to missions, you know that every year when we come to this season, you're sacrificing something. You're prioritizing something different and saying, we're going all in with this because this is more important. So I'm just gonna ask you this question. What's more important this year? What's more important than obeying the Lord? And maybe in your life you, you, you've never tithed. Forget about missions. Stop right there. Start tithing today and obey the Lord. Trust him. He will prove it. But for those of us who are ready to take that next step in the journey, it's a sacrificial giving to our mission partners. We're gonna need more than $300,000 this year to make that happen. That's what it'll take. It's not insignificant, is it? But we have told these partners that we love them and that we're standing behind them and there's a church in Nashville, Tennessee that's going to help make it happen. We need that. How are we gonna do it? Well, we're asking you to prayerfully consider this week, over the next few weeks, you're gonna get a little card looks like this. There's nowhere for you to put your name on it. Please don't do that. This is between you and the Lord. It's a promise made in faith that you would look at this and on the back it explains what faith promise giving is and what it isn't. And on the front it just says this, independence upon God. Isn't that great? Depending on God to do this, I endeavor to give the following amount toward the global missions work of Judson Baptist Church. I'm gonna give a one-time gift or I'm going to give monthly. And there's some different things that you can check in the boxes there monthly to give and and we just ask you to bring that back starting next week. And we'll collect these for the next three Sundays. We'll take three Sundays because we want you to meet our partners. And, and I would actually encourage you, uh, 
to spend some time this week just praying about this. Guys, I don't know what else you need in your life. I don't know what else I need in my life that would be more important than this. And so I'm asking you, don't fall asleep on me this week. Wake up ready to go, prayerfully mindful of what God might be doing this year in our missions as we partner together with these folks for the gospel. Heavenly Father, as we come to this moment in time, we're asking you to do what only you can do. And that's, Father, impress upon our hearts the needs that we have in our global focus season. Father, we're praying that you would do great things. We're asking you, Lord, to help us fund the work of the gospel around the world. And Father, I'm praying for our church that every one of us will feel this burden. Father, I'm praying as well this morning for that person that might be here this morning who's never trusted you enough to tithe. And they've just been frustrated and frustrated at every turn and they don't understand why. But God, you're waiting to prove yourself to them. I pray that in faith they would step out today. Father, we, we pray that as we go through these moments, you would bless us. Father, we pray this morning for Eli's house, our local partners serving at-risk children and mothers here in Nashville. And, and we pray that as we partner with them today, you would bless them. Father, bless those mothers. Bless all of the volunteers. God, we're just asking you to do a great work because we know you love children and families. And God, now as we stand to sing this song and we declare with our lips that we want you to take our lives and let them be consecrated, set apart for you, may it be true and not just a song that we sing, but may our heart's cry be that we be a people devoted to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.